Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, Laura Jane Jones. How are you feeling? Fuzzy um, around the edges, perhaps, would be a description. Um, That's how I'd describe your hair at the moment. <laughs> around the edges very fuzzy around the edges I I wouldn't say that I'm hungover I think it was more it's it's more of like a kind of um like an oxytocin downer of like where my happiness and excitement levels were yesterday morning and kind of what a big day it was for not just myself but my my family obviously as well Um, and your country but yeah just like the nation as a whole um god I feel a bit emotional talking about it now but yeah it was um it was special it was very special what was it like walking into the beer garden for the first time was it all like queen's waves like big celebrations or was it quite kind of chilled well I we were booked into our local dad and I um and our friend Dan for 1 p.m and dad was skipping that I I'm not exaggerating he was honestly he'd had um he'd had a warning before he left the house um, not to get silly from mother, uh, but he he basically skipped to the pub. Uh, on our way, we bumped into another member of Camera. Um, Camera is the uh, Real Ale Society of Wales. Um, and Clive was uh, very emotional, very emotional. He, he, in fact, took the long way around because he felt like he hadn't really walked the route for five months and just wanted to drink everything in. Um, and then we got there and it was it was so special. Everyone was so happy. Um, I feel sorry for anyone who's having an extension, um, any kind of work done in their house in Panath this week because every tradesman, the pub I drink in is the tradesman's pub. Um, God knows why I drink in there. I was but, gonna say, what do you offer? Yeah, what trade yeah, do you all offer? That, all that scaffolding work I do, uh, but it was just full of tradesmen. There were a lot of like um, Dickie's work trousers and Leatherman on tables, but uh, it was just, it was spectacular. And I, you know, I sent my apologies to Laura Prosser um in uh, mid-afternoon that I wasn't going to be making boot camp because at that point I had five pints of Guinness and I didn't think it was a great idea to run around with a kettlebell but it was just it was amazing I'm just so happy so happy that just say you know at boot camp you don't actually run around with kettlebells often you you normally exercise with them but not 
Well, um, you say that, but um, CrossFit is is famed for making you move between stations with your weight in your hand, just to get those uh, like extra gains. So I missed out on that. Um, I don't know what they did last night. And actually, I was quite glad because when I looked at the picture that she put on Facebook, it looked like they'd done a run. So I was like, what the hell? But I'm booked for Saturday morning. Uh, I won't have five pints of Guinness before 8 a.m., we hope. Um, but yeah, I just it was just so good. It was just and I mean, to be fair, you deserved the the treat because you worked incredibly hard on Super Saturday. I mean, how your eyeballs have coped with that ring light for that long. Um, oh. I mean, you looked, I mean, to be fair, you look great. And for anyone that hasn't seen it, Laura Jane Jones was the hostess with the most s on Guinness Facebook, just the six and a half million followers um, on there. And you went live on the channels and started with yours truly and <laughs> Brian O'Driscoll. I, um, yeah, do you know, it was so much fun. So I will say that the most challenging part of the day was putting the backdrop up and saying to myself, like, don't go and lay in bed to watch the game because I was working from my flat. <laughs> So the amazing Guinness studio that was set up was in my living room. Um, I had a fridge full of snacks and it was just amazing. Ooh, what was your go-to snack then? What was your kind of... Um, I had a little snack with um, picky cocktail sausages. Oh, God. Absolutely. Oh, God. God. Um, I had a bag of beef hula hoops at one point. Um, what else did I have? Oh, I had a wrap. What wrap did I have? Um... Maybe it was like a chili chicken or something wrap. Um, I ate some more of my chocolate orange dime bars that I got in Ikea last week. Can I just say, you've got the weirdest eating habits, but how was it chatting to everybody? Because, you know, the one thing that having watched them back, I just absolutely loved is you rarely get real technical and tactical analysis of, of women's, women's rugby often there's lots of kind of peripheral chat around the game and the broader talk the broader talking points but actually you honed in specifically on the test match um, and you had some superstars but who did you who did you enjoy talking to because they're all my mates so I, I'm yeah, I wouldn't want to single anyone out because I just loved it I loved like Streety had come with like so much kind of technical IQ on everything he'd watched over the past few weeks and and was so passionate about doing it and it was you know too often we see people uh, make cameo appearances on women's rugby coverage and and the people who perhaps we should be grandstanding and platforming like world cup winning coach Gary Street miss out a bit and I just absolutely loved having Gary on and it was really it was really nice to speak to him and he's such a lovely bloke Ben Kayser because I just think he's like an absolute hero he's so polite <laughs> Can I just ask, did Gary um, show you any of the tricks, the balancing stuff on his chin? No, he didn't. So one of the things that we were always so proud of of him wasn't his coaching ability, was actually the fact that he could balance a chair on his chin. And Stop this that. often kept us entertained for a large portion of tours, actually. <laughs> oh my God, no, he didn't. But, you know, next time, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't want to single anyone out. It was great fun. Um, I had a really nice chat with Sarah Bonner, actually, before we went live about uh, she's midway through her officer training at RAF Cranwell. And I was like, oh, you know, what branch are you going to be afterwards? And I got really overexcited when she said that she was going to be RAF police because that's what my dad was. 
So I was like, oh, you're going to be a snowdrop. And we bonded a bit over that. So absolutely loved that. Um, Why a snowdrop? Because the uh, top of their hats are white. Ah. Snowdrop. Uh, my mum would call them a blue light taxi, though. Um, <laughs> which I'm sure you can guess. Calling the police to take you home from the Red Dragon Club in 1980s RAF St. Athen. That's where that nickname was earned. But yeah, I just absolutely loved it. And, and as you say, I think it's really important that it was a platform to talk about the games. You know, we've mentioned in passing over the past few weeks on the pod that it feels like at times the coverage of the women's game has perhaps been on every other peripheral issue other than the rugby. And I think on Saturday, it was a really nice excuse to not talk about any of those things, to literally talk about players that we've loved watching, the players that have impressed and what teams are doing and how they're building. And the fact that there has been some really high quality rugby on show and the fact the sun's been shining, they've been fast tracks. And actually, perhaps we built up the England game a little bit too much, but we've seen lots of tries and we've seen lots of running rugby, just not at the stoop. Uh, which is where you were. So how was that? On yeah, Saturday? I mean, I, I will kind of caveat your thing is probably probably the worst game, worst weekend of rugby in terms of actual technical and tactical yeah. like quality was Super Saturday. But um, we have seen some good moments um, all the way through the tournament, and there has been loads of stuff which you say. But yeah, you know what? It was. I was so nervous on Saturday um, and it wasn't to talk to you, obviously, because that's just absolutely um, my favourite thing to do. Um, but, <laughs> but it, you know, it wasn't even that it was going to be um, necessarily live on BBC too, like, because that's a huge platform, because in a way you kind of, that type of thing doesn't necessarily scare me as much as it always used to, given the commentary games that I've done recently, yeah. knowing how many people. So you kind of put that to one side. But it was actually the fact that, one, it was I was on screen and normally I hide away in the commentary box. So I like stress about what to wear and how was I stood and all and those boy, things. Boy, did you stress about what to wear. And <laughs> um, thanks for telling me I look like an ice cream in one of my outfits. Luckily, I didn't choose that one. It but can I just say, I messaged LJ a picture of myself in an outfit, said, what do you think to this? But I messaged it from Simone's phone because mine was in the front room. Yeah. And you replied to Simone saying, Nolly looks like an ice cream without realizing it was me holding the phone. Um, thought, right, in my head, you were like trying outfits on for Simone and he was like telling you things and you were disagreeing. And in my head, Simone was like, oh, we'll ask LJ as like the neutral party. So in my head, it was Simone asking me that question. So I felt like the shackles were off. I could like <laughs> do what I wanted to say. And so I replied, yeah, she looks like an ice cream. And then you were like, it's me by the way. But as my message was sent, I was like, oh no. But you did look like an ice cream. And it's not like I dislike that jumper. I like it. But just with that outfit, there was like a kind of rocket lolly on a stick vibe for me. <laughs> So, you know. Oh, I'll tell you what, moral of the story. Morella if you ever want this feedback from your mate, text them from your partner's phone and they'll uh, they'll probably have a bit banter with them about what you really look like. Anyway, um, do you know another occasion I, I think like about what I look like? Really, it was more, the fact I'm ignoring what you're saying. Um, it was more that I was back with women's rugby and it's interesting because I was having a, a chat with Nick Heath and I've also spoken to some of the girls since the game. And there's always this feeling that 
when women's rugby gets given a platform that it deserves and it gets put on terrestrial TV and there's loads of hype about it, it was a final, it wasn't competing with the men's Six Nations, all of the other stuff, you feel that you're representing not just yourself, but so much more than that. You're representing the sport. And that you have in the documentary, by the way. <laughs> but it's so true. And it's it it was this weird pressure that I actually really probably did let affect me because I knew that you know, I'm somebody that has been profiled of doing a reasonable amount of media work and I needed to do a good job because of that, but also because I wanted to do the best build up and the best analysis of the of the girls to give it the platform that it that needed. And, and actually speaking to a few of the players, you know, the instant reaction, a lot of it was so frustrated because we all did so many uncharacteristic errors and we, we like butchered part of the games. And, we, it was because, you know, whatever the reason was, whether it was pressure, the final, whatever, but they were really disappointed because it was a chance to let the game shine. And yeah. it's just a strange one because it's not something that you would ever think that a man would ever think about. Um, and actually, Nikki I think it's really telling, isn't it? That like the same. It's, it's almost like the girls have to earn this platform. It's it, whilst the thought process should be this is the right thing that's happening this additional pressure and I know that perhaps some of the pundits who joined us on Saturday on the Guinness thing felt the same way and that you needed them to be good games because you wanted to give great analysis and and I think it's really sad actually tell you what when it was at nil nil with like literally a couple of minutes to go for half time I was genuinely pretty unsure about what we were going to be saying yeah, well, especially like when the build-up had been, I mean, I'd spoken pre-match, I did a little chat with Tamara Taylor and Tam and I were like, oh, this is going to, it's going to be amazing. Like, she was like, you know, I think the score, there's only going to be a few points in it. It'll be in the 20s for both teams. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it wasn't quite the uh, the high scoring game that any of us expected. Um, but but being, being pitch side, um, was really weird I, it's still very strange I'm still I think it's because I haven't been there for such a long time because of Covid um to to kind of be plonked back in that environment but um it was really cool to see the girls when they ran past for the warm-up I like said hi to to Haz and Langy and you know gave Amy Cocaine a, a little smirk and I think it, it was really lovely to see them all and you know some of the hits from both sides were absolutely brutal it was ferocious yeah. but I do question why England continually ran directly into the French when probably they could have thought about some different tactics and you know tip at the line or even just maybe kick it a little bit I mean I I can't believe given I mean I haven't spoken to the girls about their game plan but I can't believe that with that selection with Helena um Zoe Harrison at 12 Skaz at 13 um, McKenna at fullback that they, I think they kicked the ball in open play probably less than five six times and yeah. yet the couple of times that they did put boot to ball the, the French back three didn't didn't deal with it and also you've got a new fullback you've got a cap a, a fullback that's on her third cap and yes she's a talented player but she hasn't been tested I'd have absolutely peppered her I'd yeah. have, like and not even you know because the England chase with Abby and Jess is so fast that even if you land it on top of one of them, you're pretty, pretty sure you can guarantee someone's going to be right there to make the tackle. So I think for me, that was the, 
the disappointing thing. Yes, there were individual errors and you know, Scaddy missing the kicks and there was uncharacteristic um, errors scattered all the way through the game from both teams. But I was just quite disappointed given that it's a strength of England. You think about what they're, and also England's, England's set piece wasn't great. So they weren't getting good, um, good platform to play off. Well, actually, why don't you kick to then receive another kick? So kicked. With regard to that kicking, the fact that you've said that they put four or five kicks in open play into that backfield and France didn't deal with it very well. Do you think that England showed a lack of adaptability? If, if the game plan going in had been, right, okay, don't give that back three any ball, don't give them the ability to run it back to us. The fact that they then didn't deal with it on those very small amount of occasions, do you think they lacked a, an ability to adapt to that? Um. Yeah, to an extent, I think that's where you you need your experienced players to step up. But Helena is a magnificent, magnificent player. And oh, my God, some of her kicks to touch were some of the biggest I've seen from a woman, like how she actually absolutely leathers the ball. Yeah. But it's not even necessarily needing, you know, England didn't have brilliant go forward. They weren't necessarily winning collisions. So they were going side to side and massively overplaying in that middle third. But it's not like both Helena, Zoe and Skaz all have big kicks, but also they have a really nice variety of kicks. So it's yeah. not even like they need the best platform to make these big booming kicks because you can just whack it up in the air or put it along the floor. Um, so yeah, I am surprised that, um, that that all three of them didn't didn't grab the the game by the by the scruff of the neck, especially when the weather was clearly it was windy and the and the stoop is difficult because it swirls a lot. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like they were playing into the French's hands by just, you know, going into a, a, a ridiculous defence. And, you know, fair play to England. If we flip it, we look at France, you know, their conversion rate in the in the red zone was appalling. Um, you know, they didn't get any tries. One thing I want to ask you about is the, um, the seven-point spoon, which was at, what, 70 minutes when they decided that they'd go for post, meaning they'd have to score again, so I think for me, the context of it being this, this isn't a normal Six Nations. That was it. That was the final on Saturday. That was the last game. Do you think that was the right decision by them in terms of where we are in the context of having finals rugby a year before a World Cup and learning from that, especially when you've got a young team? Do you think they made the right decision at that point to have gone for posts? I would have gone for posts if I was them. Really? I would have kicked the points, yeah, because they were only then... Like, yes, they did need to score, but it meant that it, if they'd regained possession, they were in ascendancy with certain elements. And if you could get a scrum or you could get the ball, actually, they were putting a, a lot of pressure onto England. I think, you know, there were moments, interestingly, that I think, you know, both teams fundamentally haven't been put under that amount of pressure. And as much as you can train hard, as much as you can whack each other, you know, when it's, possibles with probables nothing replicates a test match and the yeah. pressure that it that it brings um, and clearly the you know all of the players were struggling with the pressure that both defenses were putting each other well, under up until up until saturday we'd had 33 tries from those two teams combined compared to the one that we got on saturday yeah and and you know it's a credit to the the physicality and the defensive structures but i think i suppose from my perspective I know how good some of those girls can be um, from a, an attacking perspective and we didn't see any of it. And it was it, it was the tactics that let them down. But then, you know, 
am I surprised that they didn't weren't both teams weren't able to, to unpick those defenses? No, because actually when you look at some of their errors against teams that weren't as good as defensively, they, they didn't run in. Probably France came into the game in better shape than England did because think about the areas that England put, you know, put in the in the Scotland game um, and then in the Italy game. Actually, they were doing that under probably 75% of pressure compared to then what they faced with the French. Yeah. Um, so, Perhaps yeah, I mean... So, could France's two games have been... Were they easier? So, actually, the fact that England had had errors in those two games, they'd been put under more pressure by Italy, so certainly in the first half. Would they have come into it having had tougher opponents? It's relative, um, isn't it? Yeah, it is relative. I think... I actually think now I think France were more clinical. I think France played and, and at times were magnificent on Saturday. They just didn't finish it off. Yeah. And it's interesting to look at why didn't they finish it off, given the platform from set piece. Their scrum was unbelievable. I've never seen an England scrum go back like that at yeah. that pace time and time and time again. You know, the platform that the French did have, and interestingly, as much as I've racked wax lyricals about Sansus. she wasn't good on the weekend mm-hmm. and they needed to bring board on on earlier i can't believe they didn't bring tremulier on sooner because i it, was it very was, surprised by that you know, you know and and i think that that's where maybe the french weren't quite as good because they were lacking that real depth of experience that they put onto the bench and they yeah. didn't unload it quick enough in my opinion um i will but say though, teams that- are playing again this friday though They've got to know each other incredibly well this season. And obviously they are in the same group next year at the World Cup. How big is the gap between the two of them at the moment? I think it's a lot closer than anyone would say. Um, I think the game at the weekend shows just how close they are. Um, And actually, I think if England moves that team around too much, they're at risk of potentially losing on Friday against them. I think... Both sides have got much better depth than they've had previously. Um, I think um, one thing I will say about England at the moment is um, how well um, Poppy Cleal is playing. I think she's been outstanding and picked up a bit of a knock on Saturday with her elbow, but she's been, you know, she was really good. And it was good to see her weather the storm a little bit. There was there was a lot of um, big collisions with her involved on both sides of the ball. Um, but actually where it showed when she did run against somebody that was a mismatch. She got in behind, offloaded, and that was when the try was scored. Um, and then one other person that I, you know, I said before the tournament even started was the return of Zoe Allcroft. And she is an absolute machine. She is unbelievable, world, world-class unsung hero, in my opinion. Um, I don't think the set piece was as good as it could be. I don't know who was calling between her and Abby Ward, um, but around the park, Jesus, she she gets through some work and is unbelievable. Uh, you know, at 23 years old, I think she's, you know, really putting her hand up. And and I think one thing to to note from, from an English perspective, they do have injuries. Um, and one person in particular that hasn't featured and, and we haven't spoken a lot about who makes a massive difference is Sarah Byrne. Yeah. Um, and you know, you've got to look at the props at the moment in the England setup. Yes, they're great around the park, but set piece wise, they there needs to be significant improvement. But one thing that Berna's got is both of those elements to their game. So I think she will definitely strengthen the side when she comes back in. She's a centre in props clothing and we love her for it. Right, let's move on to 
I love the fact that this tournament has meant, this championship has meant that everyone plays out. Uh, and the third, fourth game was Ireland-Italy. I went for Italy on match pint. Of course I did. Uh, really surprised by what we saw in that game. Uh, was it that Ireland were phenom or were Italy just that poor? Um, I was gutted actually, because I was really excited. Given what we've seen from Italy over the first two rounds, um, they were appalling. Um, not only was their basic skills awful, but their tactical game plan, they were trying to run it out of their 22. Um, yes, you could see that again, it's it's pretty windy at Nigeria Park, but um, you know, the, it, what? they is at it Nigeria? Nigeria? What you said, Nigeria Park. Oh no, just <laughs> call it Donnybrook. Donnybrook. Um, the, yeah, I think I just I was really disappointed. Um, there were like, I mean, I think there was forty nine handling errors. I think in the game, it was just terrible um, at times. That's so and, I think the worst one for me was that it took the Italians an hour to make a visit to the Irish twenty two. Yeah, I mean, like credit to Stacey Flood, um, you know, saw what she, we could saw glimpses of what she could do in when she came off the bench um, and against the French. And actually, she she played well. She played where she played where um, Ireland needed to be because clearly Italy were trying to run it out and, and butchering their exits. So she just kept kicking them back into the 22 and she's got a decent nudge on a big left boot. Um, I think having her in at 10, and it's interesting with Considine and the sevens girls is how quickly the, they can shift the ball to the edge. Um, but actually, Brian just talked about it when we were chatting with Guinness is that it's all well and good being able to shift it to the edge, but it's not sevens. It's not just, a, you know, defences need to be drawn. You need to earn the right to get out there. Um, and if you just pass it there, all that happens is the defence shift and, and, and defend. So I think it's good to see that skill level. I think that we haven't seen that um, across the board with the Irish backs for a reasonable amount of time. Um, but it is experience playing 15s to understand how they draw and how they make nice um one thing i will say it was good to see obviously um murphy crow get two tries in particular first one happy off birthday a, off as well to amy lee murphy crow today oh there you go um and i mean i was a bit disappointed she did a half celebration of the uh i don't know is it the train choo choo I'm, she just did one um for she only 15s. does one so oh, okay when um i produced the sevens uh, Lee was my editor and we used to make compilations over the weekend of it's like a jump and fist pump and we'd like make compilations because we used to think it was the funniest thing in the world because it's almost like I don't think she does it on purpose I think it's genuinely her natural reaction to scoring like you know when you were a kid and like your brother would get told off and you'd go yes it's that it's not a choo-choo it's a yes you need the face. Well, she did do that, um, which was good to see. But one thing I will say with with her, with Amy Lee um, and quite a few of the um, the Irish players, I think they they've either been sponsored by Fake Tan Company or they've been they were let loose and the the light inside the hotel rooms maybe wasn't as good because wow, there was some there was some decent variation of um, colouring from legs to arms 
to face it's like a tie-dye effect um and what was emphasized even more was that eva higgins was clearly not having any of that um any of that near her because she was natural as a, a nice and pale just like me um she, she just embraced it <laughs> um, i'd be very interested uh, any of the irish girls who listen to let us know what brands they're using i'd hope that they are staying true to ireland and going with marissa carter's coco brown but as always i'm on the hunt for good brands so let us know um, um one thing, about to, sorry, one thing I wanted to mention as well was that I tweeted about it and obviously she saw it because she searches a name after a game and texts me, but I thought Sarah Cox had a great game in the... She's going to talk the... about her um, oh, well, because um, I, yeah, great game. Um, she just loves it. It's great to see her, you know, she's quality at what she does. Um but it did make me laugh because it's this whole tiny screen for the TMO again. Yeah. And actually, it's pretty impressive. And it's good that Coxie's come from the seven series and she's fit as a flea because she was at one point, she ran from the try line from a held up from the try line to the far 10 meter line. Wasn't even out of breath. Stood there, chatted. Yeah, try should be a wall. No, try was held up, I think. And then ran back absolutely fine. But um, it did make me laugh that she... <laughs> I bet she's buzzing to get back to the sevens now because I know that um, there's always been a bit of like, bit of biff between her and Joy when they do their Bronco and conditioning. And obviously Joy is currently out of the picture. So <laughs> Coxie is going to be... You know what? She's going to have like a little armband, like Bronco champ. Um, wow. Like she's just been one. announced alongside Holly um, and Rich Horton and there's a, a few others from um, for the Olympic Games so it was cool to see them all get their uh, get the nod which is it must be must be pretty amazing to have that and I think one thing you forget is I I take the mick out of Coxie for being fit you know but oh my god to to do what they need to do especially in the heat and in sevens is absolutely savage so it must be good for them to finally have that nod and know that they're working yeah. towards it because they're gonna have to be on a brutal um training program themselves um are they sure in monaco monaco sevens they just announced a new mascot for that that's uh repechage for the olympics have to say have to doff our caps to our great friend d didra sullivan who um it's not been easy, the organisational side of sport over this period. And yeah, like mega from D to, to get that over the line. And we can't wait to watch the Monaco Sevens. Let's move on to the last game of the weekend, which was Scotland-Wales. Um, you wait all tournament or championship for a try and two come along for Wales. They at last got over the line on the weekend. Um, but it was Scotland who were victorious on the day. What did you make of that one? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, yeah, it was a pretty um, pretty good test match in terms of being uh, with the tries and it going from end to end. And it was obviously great to see the, um, the Welsh score. I think it was... It, it was challenging at times because of the set piece was really not good. Um, you know, there's a hell of a lot of work that needs to go into to the throwing and, and that type of detail from Wales. You know, by in the first half, they won one out of four lineouts, and yeah. it's just impossible to play if you can't have a, a decent set piece. But um, I think from Scotland, there was some some really decent like brilliant work from the forwards um close to the try line they're physical and yeah they, they took took their tries really well and their conversion rate in the 22 was was brilliant um and interestingly i mean you thought scotland were kind of you know powering ahead and that they were they were they were going to they were going to keep Wales in it like oh sorry they weren't going to keep Wales in it and they were you yeah. know but actually fair play to the Welsh they I don't know they they got a reasonable amount of turnovers um and yeah Scotland were giving away a fair amount of penalties but actually they managed to capitalize on it and did all right and to stay in the game um Newman at 14 her try for Wales um absolutely brilliant like it was absolutely really class and you know what I think just specifically for this game so we don't waffle on about it too much but I was really impressed with some of the Welsh backs I think what you are seeing is some really good athletes um and when you know they're fit and fast and strong their scramble defense obviously having Jazz at 15 she saved a few tries and yeah. and and covered a hell of a lot of meters um but it, it was the forwards that, that unfortunately let the let the game down a little bit um because just the set piece and they got dominated by the by the Scots up front um so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens and maybe we can talk about that now. But it was a good test match. And, and to finish off, it was... I really enjoyed the commentary from Johnny Hammond um, and Rachel Malcolm. Yeah, I think I it, was, it was it was nice to hear Johnny's voice back on, a, on an international women's game. Um, obviously, normally the voice of Sky Sports. Um, so we haven't ha had him as much involved, but um, he was really great alongside uh, Rachel Malcolm for, for a first... For a second test match in the commentary booth, she's just outstanding. She's she's putting me to shame. <laughs> oh, I I loved her last week. I loved her this weekend, and I would implore those who are producing Rainbow Cup coverage over the next week or next few weeks 
to seriously have a look at her and, and get her on Premier Sports and get her on the on the Celtic rugby because I think she's a natural. She's she's so nice to listen to, um, and I just thought she was brilliant. And I thought the two of them were great together. And it was a really it was a really nice. It was the most entertaining game of the weekend, I think. And and they added to that, and it and it yeah, it was just a great occasion. I I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that they saved the best till last. Um, we're going to save the moaning till last. We're going to have a little bit of a chat about the bigger picture of the championship now um, and perhaps the kind of the things that we've been really pleased to see, the things that perhaps have been slightly negative. Um, I know that you want to pick up on some of the work that Guinness have done through this tournament, which perhaps has gone under the radar a little bit, uh, but they've been working hard behind the scenes to increase the visibility of, of the sport. Yeah, like it's it's interesting. I, I was just thinking, um, you talk about Guinness, just thinking about the Wales game, and I just loved um, Gareth Thomas's um, reaction after the after the game. And if anyone hasn't seen it, go onto Facebook because when he said, you know, and I know having seen him work, I know how little notes he makes. And he said, I've made so many notes. I've got a whole book on the game, and like was all like proper enjoying the. The entertainment and actually yeah. the fact that Wales stuck in the game and kind of came back and with a scoreline of 27-20 I think yeah I just loved that energy from him so that was cool and and yeah look from from um, Guinness's perspective you know obviously um, they often get a lot of questions around why aren't they the the, the main sponsor but they are the the first and only main partner, uh, they are partnered with the Women's Six Nations. Um, and with my ambassador work, it's it's been amazing to see behind the scenes just how much they care and just how much they want to do. And, and actually something that they decided to do this year was to try and change and move the bar on the fact that only 6% of women's, of um, sports media coverage is of women. And so they actually approached it in a really brilliant way, in my opinion, because they went like, well, how can we change that? And actually one of the, one of the reasons why you can't get decent coverage is quite often people just don't know about the players. They don't know about the stories. They don't know the humans behind the, you know, the internationals. And so, yeah, I mean, you know that I think it's like 150 odd thousand words, um, not per person. Obviously, that would be a bit extreme, um, but but um, for uh, going to be written on Wikipedia for each of the players that have played in the tournament. And having spoken to a couple of journalists, they've said how awesome it is because actually time is money and media and everything needs to be turned around you always tell me how quickly and how busy you are because if you ask to do something it needs to be needs to be done quickly and therefore not having the ability to be able to easily google someone and find out okay who's in the squad right what's what club are they at what's their history what's their have they got any famous family members you know if that's all in one place, you can do it really quickly and then articles are going to be churned out far quicker. And it's the meat on the bones of things. Like from my perspective, an example would be that on Sunday, I did the voiceovers on BBC Scrum 5 for the Rainbow Cup games and um, Aroni Sow scored the first try in the Edinburgh game. Now, I'm in my head, I was like, oh, was Aroni Sow in the Olympic final team? So I Google him, go on his Wikipedia page. No, he wasn't, but his nickname in the sevens was the Sledgehammer. So it means in my voiceover, my script says, and first over in the corner was the Fijian Sledgehammer. Toms comes up, they name Aroni Sow. In the women's game, it's so hard. If you don't have that detail that you that you've stored yourself, 
to be able to do that and, and it just means that when people are when journalists who may not cover the women's game week in week out may not have the the depth that others have they can do a, a google search and look on wikipedia and and see that you know a player has come from this sporting background or they went to this school or they've played in this tournament or they play for this team and it will make a huge difference and i, I think that we probably sound like we're like you know hitting the bums of guinness a little bit here but i don't think people realize how big these small things are well you know what it, it is massive and when people ask what what can and should and could be done to to move the dial for women's sport not just women's rugby it is things like this because it is a huge amount of work to get it started and once it's done it's then just continued at a far easier rate than having to do all players from across all of the different teams and and it, and I, I suppose I can relate to it when um when we didn't have our red rose numbers we didn't know what number in order we were with regards to our first cap and it was a huge amount of work because they were digging up all sorts of different bits of stats and like old um programs and to make sure that it was right and the amount of work that went into it but now it's just it's a given that the next when you get capped you get given your first cap and you get given your red rose number and now it's it's amazing so the work that's been put in number. i'm number 109 um so on your wikipedia page uh i don't know actually maybe i can maybe i can add it if i'll it have someone add it this just adds even more to the fact that your gloucestershire sports personality of the year <laughs> is on there but that isn't um <laughs> one uh, thing one thing I, also stuff we keep saying that one thing um so there's something else as well to add to the wikipedia stuff they're also been working really hard to get verification for the players on their social media and that now is going to be linked to wikipedia um because it's around um you know people being um seen in the public eye as somebody that has been acknowledged for for achievement um and i think it it might seem small but it's on a personal level, I know that the girls are really chuffed to have that finally, because why not? Because if you went on any of the men's internationals, of course they would have blue blue ticks and have that verification. And that kind of, it's not a status symbol, but, but social media has that ability to showcase who you are. And you might not have a massive following, but at least if you've got that blue tick, it shows that you are who you say you are and you've achieved yeah. some really cool stuff. And I find it amazing that there are women who've won Rugby World Cups. There are current players who've, who've won multiple grand slams now and they don't have blue ticks and then I will get a tweet liked by someone who and I mean this in no disrespect to them but who plays for a men's championship club and they've got 600 followers and they've got one and that's where these things sound really small and they sound like they don't make a difference but they're huge this is it's about profile and that's perhaps one thing I want to have a slight moan about in terms of the profile and what we accept in the women's game and on the weekend, I noticed there was a lot of backslapping about the fact that the game was on BBC Two and it was great. And I think they looked at the viewing figures and, and the peak was about 200,000, which in context, the men's premiership final last year was about 205,000 on pay TV. So a great return, great to see people watching women's rugby on the weekend. However, Sky Sports for the past decade have, have put a huge amount of time and energy into the women's England home games over the Six Nations. They are the games they've had rights to. It's not that they cherry-picked those. They had the rights to those. They didn't have the rights to the others. When they've shown those games, they have had full studio presence. They have had 
um, build up, build down. It's been covered on Sky Sports News because it'd be the live game. I know I've certainly been pitched side and I've done hits in Sky Sports News to say, this is the game, this is on, it's live. I feel like there's been a lot of, of congratulatory um, coverage around the game on the weekend when actually I'm not sure that this championship has been shown to um, as many people as it could have done. It's felt hidden on the iPlayer. We know that lots of people have complained about the fact that in the first round, there was a repeat of, of bargain hunt or something like that on or homes under the hammer. Um, this weekend, trying to, I couldn't watch the games on my TV because you can't access them through the TV iPlayer app. And then they weren't on the red button because the snooker was, and these are international test matches. And it just feels like the bar is low and we're quite accepting, whereas we need to be demanding more. These games for me should have had terrestrial platform, perhaps not on BBC One or BBC Two, but maybe BBC Four, that there needs to be less acceptance of this and more do more as far as I'm concerned. You know what, it's really interesting you say that because I just had this like flashback to the documentary where Joe Blake Turner, who um, is head of sport at Channel 4, and he said, he was talking about my commentary and he said, you know, easily we could put Nolly on the on the lower profile games, but we don't, we don't, we choose to to put her in the in the in the limelight. And I suppose that's kind of the same same thing, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, do it. Don't just Absolutely. kind of you know go half half in and yeah, I think you're definitely right in terms of the the quality of coverage given that there was no studio. Um and obviously from my perspective, it was brilliant to be involved in the in the game on Saturday, being with Maggie and Ugo and you know having Gabby Logan there hosting it. But it can't just be that one-off you know we've just talked about earlier that we feel that massive pressure because that's our one moment to to shine the the light on women's sport it feels like that because it is a one-off rather than the normal through the tournament and um and actually I suppose maybe this leads on to to what we think of the tournament because we're kind of we've been having lots of chats on and off air and uh, like off here and through the through the last few weeks about what what we reckon it should look like. You said before the the championship started to potentially look at expanding it and bringing in other teams. Are you still with that view? Yeah, there's two things I like about this. I like the fact that it could be expanded to include more sides. So Spain, Russia, other Europeans. That's important, I think. I think in, in women's rugby, we're growing the game far more than the men's rugby is. Um, and there's, at the moment, week in, week out, the DNI stuff is our responsibility. The growth of the game, let's make that ours. Um, I like the fact that this can be a bigger tournament and include more games and, and be different to the men's. The other thing I like is that in this scenario, teams play out. And I know that obviously a Six Nations table, you get a one to six, but I like the the head to heads because I felt on the weekend it didn't necessarily because the Italians didn't really turn up, but you should get well-matched games for that final round. I like a crescendo finish. We know, and, and you have talked about this at length, that because the world rankings for the men's inform the uh, order of the women's games in the Six Nations, we can get England, France, France, England in week one or two. And then the rest of the tournament feels at times like a bit of a damp squib. We know who's won the tournament because the winner has come from that game. I liked the fact that we we had Super Saturday. We built to a crescendo and it meant that one played two in the last round. So for me, I think 
another look at it, an expanded, expanded look could be something the women's game considers. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I feel like everyone is talking about the fact that it builds to that on Super Saturday because of the format. I actually, that would happen naturally if the world rankings were, were done appropriately for the women's game. Yeah. Um, and actually, the other thing is, it's the first time we've had a Super Saturday ever. It's the first time that all three games have been played with no clash. Um, you know, I, so I think there's lots of things that have happened that haven't actually necessarily been a, a complete um, outcome from the format, if that makes sense. It's, it, it's just happened this way. And that's so actually I'm still really torn and I'm probably 51% now towards um, going back to the original and saying, right, let's play this out. One thing I, I did enjoy, and I don't know how this would work logistically. I don't know whether the numbers or how you could do it because of it being around Robin format, but. I loved the fact that there was only two games on a weekend. Yeah. I think three games over a weekend with other things is quite difficult to commit time to, whereas two games, you could watch that. I watch comfortably more than two anyway for my job, but actually viewers at home. And also not having France or not having England play one weekend actually shines the light on the other nations, which is really, really nice. And so this, the other games aren't just the kind of, you know, you watch England, you watch France, and then you kind of ignore the other game. They're not actually, also runs. Yeah, so I really liked that. I like it has to be held in um, a different um, window to the men's now. I think we've pr proven that and the value of it. But for me, it's about now really looking strategically at lining the domestic league, looking at the men's other hotspots. So another hotspot is Champion, Heineken Champions Cup and knockout rounds. It cannot be clashing with that because that is a massive rugby audience. You want those eyeballs on the women's game because they're naturally the rugby fans that are slightly potentially away from being really focusing on the different leagues because European is that next level. It's a kind of tear down from Six Nations, isn't it? Yeah. Or, you know that. Um, and, and then the other part is it has to be invested in appropriately and you know if we are going to do it separately it means that it isn't clashing with the media space um it isn't clashing with resources from agencies and brands it isn't um necessarily meaning that um kickoff times are random and that the players are having to adjust into all these certain things do you know what i mean there's so many things that now i feel like and now with wxv there needs to be an alignment done very with everybody in the room, let's talk about it all and let's work hard and use the time efficiently for the next one. Because I still feel like there was a quite a big rush, but after yeah. the men's tournament, it was like, oh gosh, we've got to, we've got to think about the, the women's and yeah. it was still quite delayed. Um, I think we're going to yeah. pass over the next couple of years about if it's pronounced WXV versus W15. Um, <laughs> I'm going W15. I don't understand how anyone can think it's WXV, but We'll leave that by the by. I've heard Sarah Orchard also call it WXV. What do X and V stand for? 15. That's what it means. So um, one thing we have to talk about before we go, giving it large match points <laughs> came to its culmination. Really embarrassingly for me, I haven't had a victory video the whole way through. I, I've been so off with my predictions. And then the first weekend I get a victory video, it's myself telling me I'm a clever clogs and that I've done well and I watched the video in the room I'd filmed the video in so yeah that was really quite actually a low point for me but 
top of the tree, number one spot, Kerry Large, overall Guinness Legends League winner. Smashed it. So Fucking ridiculous. Great so ridiculous that we convinced her in and she was like oh do it, is it going to cost me anything and it was all negative and then absolutely stormed past streety um also newbie jackie shields um irish superstar um came in second so congratulations to her hey you realize just that Kerry didn't just win the guinness the legends league she came second in tryhards overall she missed out on tryhards by a point um, I think we can probably still send her some socks, but Maggie Forbes won the Tryhards League. Well done, Maggie. Um, shout outs have to go to Colin Seal, friend of the pod. We cannot wait to come down to the Southwest to visit you, Colin. We miss you. Uh, John Maxwell came in sixth, um, which is no real surprise. Uh, just amazing. I was 75th overall in the league and you were 85th overall yeah but i don't know what happened right because live there is there is live video evidence of me saying england by four when i did the guinness facebook which would have been a perfect prediction but for somehow i either didn't put that on my match pipe on the app or i think there's technical issues i'm going to blame pete from match pipe um just because because i can um but yeah, I've had an absolute shocker. Um, but I will say I did call all of the games all the way through. I picked out the winners apart from obviously the, the Italy Island game where Ireland stormed to victory. Um, Shall we finish off on a, a big thank you to them? Because I feel like Pete, Dom, all the match fight crew, like Guinness, um, decided to do something and it takes brands to invest it takes brands to want to do it um, and they I, they didn't need to do this but yet they've decided to do it um, I suppose the take up people probably think we like bang on about match pint I don't think people realize like we the, the, the guys who work at match pint are some of the most honestly passionate people that that we work with and and when we when they said to us oh we'd like to do a women's one it's genuine with them there's no box ticking this they didn't have to as you say they didn't have to do this and they're they're so engaged by it and and they are genuinely moving the needle these are the people we're talking about and this is the buy-in that we need from people and the buy-in yeah, these it's these types of things that you just take for granted that they happen in the men's and you just they're just there, whereas they're not there for the women's. It's like with the um, fantasy league, you know, it it's just things that you expect on men's sport, but it isn't ever a given that it happens in the women's and it hasn't. So yeah, I think um fair play to them. It was really cool to actually meet a whole load of um a whole load of the match pint crew i went on and did a chat with them um pete hosted it um apparently it was the first time he's worn a shirt in a long time so he dressed wow. up for the occasion but was also eating a family bag of um chili heatwave doritos so i was like That's he great. may look like an old man but he is actually young at heart um, he but big thank you from the tryhards to I've match been a tryhards tip for the past couple of weeks but i will say chili heatwave doritos Put them in the fridge for an hour before you eat them. What? Makes them spicier. Speak to you next week, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 